Radio. I'm your host, your groove mistress and spiritual advisor, Madam Perry. But you can call me Jen, Jennifer, JP, Perry. I don't care. I'm just happy that you're here and happy that I'm here, too. Hey, oh, we've had so much fun. And by the way, thanks to everyone who's been listening, subscribing, downloading, um, sharing the podcast on social media. I really do appreciate it. People who leave reviews for the podcast especially on Apple, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you so much. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, you know, there's several ways you can uh, or several places to subscribe, uh, whatever your preferred podcast platform is, uh, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, whatever, uh, or right here on Blog Talk Radio. If you're listening tonight live, August 26th, and... um, if you look at the blog talk radio thing, you can just look up there where it says follow um, in a little azalea colored rectangle and click follow. I definitely appreciate that. Things that have, that helps me. That helps me to continue to get I've had recently, the ones I've got coming up, and definitely the guests I've got coming tonight. Um, by the way, you know, a couple months back, um, I had a show with two people. It was the poet. Julie Blomicky and uh, crime fiction writer Matt Coyle, who that man is on fire. And also with Julie, Julie's a very popular poet, and so glad to see her finally have her first book out, Slide to Unlock. Uh, they were on together. They each gave away a book. And, you know, I can't, I can't draw the winners of any contest myself. It just, just doesn't look right. So um, this time uh, the person who did the drawing for me and made a video. I know it took a couple of months, but once you watch this video, you realize it's because he's a science officer um, from the Starfleet Command. And uh, so if you go to the Madame Perry Salon page on Facebook or to the uh, Jennifer Perry page on LinkedIn, you will see the video of the science officer, and he will be announcing the winners of the two books. And I just think it's so cool. He's also known, if he looks familiar to you, as he's Captain Finley Grange in the steampunk world and just the uh, coolest guy ever. So, so yes, there are winners for that book, and you can see, find out who they are in case it's you, because I don't tell you. I make everybody watch to find out if they're a winner, um, and that's why it's good that the videos are so cute. Now, uh, what else to say? Oh, Jeff Carlisi's coming back. Uh, you know, Hold On Loosely, 38 Special, and he was also in a band called Big People. Uh, with a few other band superstars. Jeff is coming back soon. Um, let's see, I had to get a sip of tea. Uh, Monday night, we had Je- uh, Jeanette Lucas, who is a forensic, psychic, paranormal advisor, and uh, that was a very popular show. And she's going to send some of her friends, her psychic friends, our way. 
in the next few shows uh, to talk about things like synesthesia and uh, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. Yeah, like I always say, or not always say, once before I had a fellow who was the uh, president of uh, of a global group of uh, uh, people who practice out-of-body experiences, and uh, I promoted it by saying, hey, can't afford a vacation? Be getting sick of a staycation? Well, let's learn how to travel somewhere else. So we'll see if we can do that. Uh, anyway, tonight, though, uh, you guys know I love true stories, whether it's biographies or memoirs or histories or true crime, because, you know, real people's lives take twists and turns that, you know, the best author, if they wrote it down, their editors will probably say, okay, come on, that, that's not really flowing or whatever. We need to edit this, but no. I like the real stories, and it just so happens there is a new book out. It's an anthology, and it's all about true crime but in small towns, and it's not just in the U.S. It's all over the world these stories come from, and this is from one of the coolest people I have ever known. Uh, she amazes me. She is she, uh, definitely known in the U.K. as a media personality as well as an author and uh, television presenter, and she writes erotica, fiction, humor, all kinds of stuff. Now she's pulled together an anthology, and it's called uh, The Best New Crime Stories, Small Towns. And so I'm delighted to have back again here in the Genie Bottle my wonderful friend and talented woman, Mitzi Soretto. Mitzi, welcome back. Hi, Miss Jennifer. Thank you for having me back. I am thrilled to have you back. And, of course, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping you're, my other friend, your sidekick, Teddy, is there with you. Yes, he's over here. He's, he's doing his supervising like he usually does. <laughs> <laughs> and does so Keeps well. Keeps me on All my right. toes. <laughs> well, good to have you on board, too, Teddy. And so congratulations on the new book. Now, this is an anthology, so tell us about how um, this book came to be and the uh, all part. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, well, actually, yes, this is almost hot off the press. It actually came out um, a few weeks ago, and um, the UK release was more recent, like I probably like about 10 days ago or something like that. Uh, this is actually... Um, my second true crime book, uh, I seem to have developed a bit of a franchise here with the best new true crime stories. <laughs> yeah. And hey, you know, I'm, if, if it's good enough for that, that, those guys with the smash up the car films, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah. So this one, um, I think we were um, actually when I was on your show when I had the, um, the serial killers book out. So um, this is really nice that you invited me back for the small towns version. Oh, I am thrilled to have you back. So, yeah, you are, you know, I always want to get on the list when you're on tour. You know that. So, <laughs> I know. We, we've, we've got a history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely want to be included because everything you do is always exciting, no matter what genre, what capacity, how it comes together. <laughs> now, the thing about this, and normally, um, when I read true crime, of course, normally you get the books that are, you know, it's one story and it goes in the background, is it, uh, the backgrounds of the families, the people involved. So you get an idea of where they come from, what might have shaped them to be who they are, and make the decisions that they make. But these are all, uh, it's like one case per chapter. And yet, from 
as a devotee of the genre, I find that it's like packing it into this like a full bite-sized nugget, but it doesn't leave anything out. You know, you don't feel like it, it, the stories all do tell you, um, give you the background you need, but that somehow it just tightens it all in there. So tell me, these stories come from around the world, and they focus on small towns only um, worldwide, but small towns. Why did you choose small towns for this? Uh, well, I actually had a number of ideas for, for uh, stories in the series, and I, I did a bit of an informal Facebook poll, <laughs> and I gave um, a choice of two different uh, subjects for, for the second book, and this one just went out slightly over the last one. I'm not going to say the last one because I'll keep it on the back burner for another, perhaps another volume. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I think the whole idea about small towns and true crime in small towns is, is fascinating because... I, I think a lot of people have a have an idealized image of small towns, particularly in the United States. You know, the small town lifestyle, you sort of think it's safe and secure and, and it isn't crime ridden. You know, we, we kind of have the big boogeyman with cities. But as the stories in this will show, there's a number of boogeymen in these small towns as well. And, it's, and there's no part of the world that hasn't been touched. So, yeah, because I've found um, such a variety of locations. So, so tell me, how did you pull together the authors? Uh, well, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm a very proactive editor. I mean, I send out my submissions, my calls for submissions very, very widely. Um, and they, you know, they, things get bounced around to other places. It's, it's amazing where they get bounced around to. Um, and so... Uh, I, I heard from a lot of new people. Um, I had people from the first book that were really excited to write something and, uh, you know, kind of know where, how, it, how I am and what I am looking for and the standard and the quality. So um, it's a whole variety of people. Uh, I mean, I got in some surprises. I mean, I had an author that uh, I'd never worked with before uh, from Trinidad and Tobago who sent a story, and she'd seen the submissions call posted somewhere. Um, I have a, a crime novelist who, who found the submissions call somewhere and sent me a, a, a memoir type of a piece. Uh, so it's, it's just really interesting uh, group of people, you know, interesting backgrounds. You know, they're not necessarily all true crime writers. Like I said, they could be crime fiction writers. They could be uh, other type of writers. Uh, there's people who have done more horror kind of writing. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of look at that when I'm doing, when I'm doing a book. Uh, it's, of course, the content is important, the variety of content, uh, what fits what I'm happy with. But um, it's, I feel like in, in a way I'm casting a film when I, when I do these books. And I, I, I look at the people individually as well. And I think, well, that person is an interesting addition to the book. So it's, it's like casting the film and getting the script written, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so then I guess you were surprised at, at, at how far flung the origins of some of these stories were, like Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, and yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, especially uh, I've I've got um, uh, Wales is back in the book, and I had um, uh, Wales in the previous in the serial killers book. So it's beautiful green pastoral Wales that has more sheep than people, and there's a lot going on. I've been to Wales many times. <laughs> it's, it's like next time I'm in Wales, I'll be like kind of looking over my shoulder. <laughs> It's not all Tom Jones and coal mines. There's a lot of other things going on. <laughs> well, I've only been to Wales once, but yeah, I know what you mean. Lots of greenery, lots of sheep. Uh, yeah. Lots of greenery and, and lots, lots of, of things below the sea. Yeah, yeah, things that have apparently happened that people weren't aware of, except, you know, if that affected them personally. But um, yeah, I, I, I've got some stories from uh, Germany, uh Canada, obviously the United States, uh, England. Uh, gosh, where else do I have? Uh, obscure uh, uh, Scottish islands, you know, Orkney of all places. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all over the place, all over the – Australia, of course. There's a couple of Australian pieces in there. Yeah. So uh, – yeah, so it's it's just um, fast. Oh yeah, I left out Ecuador. We can't leave out Ecuador. Oh yeah, that's that was right. a, yeah yeah. So that that was a surprise. That was uh, written by a gentleman. Uh, uh, the story in there who who he spent many years living in Ecuador. So yeah, these people know of what they speak. <laughs> well, how many submissions did you get, and how many stories are actually in the book? I think this is 15 stories, including one of mine, of course, because I'm the boss and I'm getting in the book. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm not going to reject me. <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I don't know how many submissions I got, and it's so hard to say. I, I, you know, it's I, I don't even remember anymore. And I'll be honest with you, my 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 head is all over the place because I'm currently um, working on the third book. So it's like I don't want to mix things up and start talking about that. <laughs> Wow. You know, okay. Well, start talking about a story for that book when it's in the, <laughs> we're talking about the small towns book. Okay. Well, speaking, of, you know, we also want to make sure people know. And by the way, go ahead and say this now because a lot of times people tell me that they listen to the show when they're maybe if they're driving or jogging or something like that, and so then they would ask me later, "How do I find this or that?" Uh, I've had people stop me in a restaurant saying, "How do I? What, what's the? What's the?" Uh, discount code for Franny Goldie's magic pants that I read about in Oprah, you know, in a restaurant, <laughs> somebody stopped me, you know, which is great that, that people want to get that information and want to make sure they get their discount. I want them to get it too. But, um, but so we can find the book, make sure everybody knows that I will be sharing the uh, links and uh, to buy the book on all of my social media as Madam Perry salon, as well as Jennifer Perry. I'll share um, how you can get the books and, uh, it's available in ebook as well as 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 a hard copy, right? Yes, and there's an audio edition too. An audio edition. Ooh, I like that. Somebody could just read Yeah, we had me. great fun with that. I had a I had to provide a pronunciation guide to the audio produ- producers and I was <laughs> with 
the two whale stories you couldn't have. Yeah. Well, this is this is absolutely adorable. But uh, C.L. Raven, who's uh, uh, they're actually uh, twins. They're writers in Wales. Um, I asked their mother uh, uh, recorded uh, pronunciation guide and sent me the MP3 file. Wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, to forward that to the audio producers because it's like I I doubt highly there was anyone sitting around in a, in the United States uh, in this audio production company that was Welsh, you know. <laughs> yes, that's a rare commodity. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, here. Oh. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, stories coming from different uh, countries, different regions, especially some pretty far flung ones at that. Yeah, that was Well, Wales is kind of over the top with um, you know, I mean, it seems like um it, maybe they 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 earn royalties for the amount of letters that they put in in names of places. I don't know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know. And listen, nobody's going to buy a vowel when they don't need to, you know? They're just going to throw in every consonant. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, that's that's funny. <laughs> You got a Bible? No. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, uh, you need like a Scrabble, a Scrabble game with like extra letters. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Yes, you know you can get. Oh, you know what? I was thinking about a friend of mine had a um, had got a Scrabble game in French when she was traveling, and I thought, oh, I guess I should get one in Spanish. But my gosh, it never occurred to me if you got a Scrabble game in Welsh, and there probably <laughs> are some. Lord help. <laughs> the box will be though, like it? you'll need like a, the moving men who move pianos to move the Scrabble box from all the letters <laughs> in it. <laughs> Reach in the bag. Why? <laughs> what would be the ten point letter? You never know. Um, I couldn't even begin to guess. So um, okay, so um, what? You were well, you, you were got, saying you've got the, you're going to put all the links up for people to find it yes, so that I'm if they're driving they're not going to crash into a tree or something. Exactly. While they're them into me, amiga. So we go through <laughs> make sure everybody else where to get them. And so why don't you go ahead and tell us now, right now, while where people can get the books, and then I'll be sharing them all on social media. Uh, sure. Well, actually, I have some handy links for people if they go to my website, which is sort of like my calling cards, which is mitzisoretto.com. But um, the books are available pretty much everywhere. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Nook, um, Blackwell's, W.H. Smith, Waterstones, uh, uh, Fishpond, uh, Dymox. Uh, I mean, uh, it's. I think there's... Um, God, I forgot. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it Kino? What's it name? The, the um, the chain for um, far, the Far East. Kino Kino. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, I just don't want to say it, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> whatever that place. So <laughs> there's pretty much every country that you can find it. As a matter of fact, I randomly saw it listed at a Romanian bookseller too. So it's kind of way out there. <laughs> oh. That's pretty cool. All right, and just so you know, Mitzi Zaretto's website is, and it's MitziZaretto.com, and I'll spell it M-I-T-Z-I-S-Z-E-R-E-T-O.com, just like it sounds. 
but again, I'll be sharing that too. But go to the website. It's a fantastic website anyway. You might want to just spend a little time in there and browse around. Uh, it's got quite a lot of entertainment in it, actually. And, uh, yeah, well, actually, just, just, to, just to alert you, I'm in the process of redesigning it, but it got a little bit more improved today before I called in. <laughs> but, um, but as far as, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm like, oh, this looks really good. I feel like I've achieved something today. But, um, <laughs> but just to mention about the entertainment, um, I've been doing a series of Facebook Live events with contributors, both from the, uh, best, the best new true crimes stories, small towns, and from the serial killers volume. So there are now nine um, videos, and I, I basically chat and interview one-to-one -one with contributors. So those are great fun, and you can learn about the people who have written these stories, uh, learn about the stories, and just, you know, uh, just see who's behind the stories. Okay, fantastic. Um, also, I'm going uh, – hey, guess what I just found? Just what I just found. Uh, what? What, what, what? If you go to shop4megastore.com, you'll find a Scrabble game in Welsh. <laughs> did you find one? Yes, I did. I did. Oh, cool. I had to find out. Hey, because, you, you know, like I tap my head and go here today, gone today. So if I didn't look for it now, I wouldn't find it. But uh, I know, Ted, I, I, I think I can feel Teddy rolling his eyes at me right there like what a waste of time you know but uh no Ted Teddy's a, Teddy loves Wales and you know he's he's you know enjoyed his time there okay yeah he, why are you laughing he's been all over Wales it's true he's been all over the place he, he's, he's been, been he, the only place yeah the only place we didn't get was Aberystwyth <laughs> if I said that right I think I did <laughs> we've been to Abergavenny we've been to Abergavenny <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to throw out all these things now. No, it's fun. It's fun. It's an international program. I like it. I you like know, it's it. really funny about the Scrabble and the Wales connection. Just if I can give you an anecdote, um, I'm I'm not sure if you uh, have heard of uh, Sir Arnold Wesker, but um, he was he was a playwright in the United Kingdom. Uh, he he was uh, especially known for the what they called kitchen sink dramas, and he did a lot of. Uh, plays that were actually televised in Wales and, and uh, in Welsh. So he had a, he had a thatched cottage in Wales and he, and somehow or other he came across me and he invited Teddy and I to visit him at his thatched cottage. And we ended up playing Scrabble after dinner. And, and it was really funny because here we are, we've got a, a, a guy who is a playwright and who was knighted by the queen and here's me and we're both cheating. And <laughs> It might have been. It might have been the wine. I don't know. It might have been. But he was like, well, he was, you know, he was saying, well, well, okay, I'll let you get away with that. And then I'm like, yeah, okay, you can get away with that too. <laughs> but it, it was in English, though. It wasn't a Welsh Scrabble game. All right, because I was going to say, if it was Welsh, you know, I mean, I know you spent a lot oh, of time no. there. You could probably, yeah. How could you tell if he was if he was cheating? I mean, you could probably tell <laughs> to an extent. I know you've got that skill. <laughs> But yeah, I would not have known. <laughs> Such great stories. I can't wait till everybody can get out and play again. We should have a Mitzi Dorito con. You know, cause you need to have your own con, Mitzi. That's all there is to it. A Mitzi and Teddy con. 
and uh, just gather all your people together, and we'll just have a big pajama party in a hotel and read stories. And, and oh dear, I'm not, I don't. I your, think we may be waiting a while for that. <laughs> play your TV show on the screens around. Have your have your TV show at Mitty TV app and all kinds of things. And I think well, that's think actually be- that's actually why I started the Facebook Live events for the for the true crime stories uh, uh, that came about um, at, when I when I had a. Uh, uh, a book signing canceled in Canada. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, you know, there must be something to do besides that. And then I came up with this idea about doing the interviews with my own contributors. So even oh. if we ever come out of this, I'm going to keep doing them. I think they're, they're great fun, and I think people enjoy watching them. I hope. <laughs> I think you should, definitely. Well, you know what? I'm going to uh, – I've got a little message I need to play, and it'll be just about one minute, so if you – need to uh, go get something else to drink or just um, rest, and I'll be right back in one minute. We're going to talk about these true crime stories, okay? I'll be back okay. with Mitzi Zaretto, Teddy Ted Luke, uh, who's watching this, and, uh, but listen to this first. So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? What? Well, I, I tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who gonna coach this team. They don't got no talent on you it, and I don't. Man. I don't really feel I talk. That's kind of harsh. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right Do now. Talk about lunch? No. <laughs> what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Perry Salon, and I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rasta, all the dip comedians. What about people you that could, don't have rings? Here we go. Again. I got real fun. Ah, 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 but I think she's great, and I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make the laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. See, Mitzi, I'm, it's not terrible. Sometimes that's the best thing <laughs> you can get. It's, it's not terrible, and that is good. <laughs> yeah, take what you can get, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I have to. <laughs> okay, so I can't imagine. I, I imagine uh, that while you're getting the submissions for the stories for this for your new book, and this is, folks, the best new true crime stories small town um i guess i just imagine that you probably get a lot of really good ones that makes it more difficult but can you tell me how the stories that are in there for people listening just to get i just kind of want you to really you know reel them in what were some tell us about some of the stories just give us some highlights there was one in australia these people just couldn't quit killing other people Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the the Snowtown story, which um, uh, is from Anthony Ferguson. He was also in in the serial killers book. Uh, this chronicles obviously it chronicles the crimes of these guys. Uh, they just it's true. There was sort of an insurance scam to kill people for their insurance or their social security money, uh, pensions, whatever. But um, and also because they don't like you, they'll kill you. Uh, but but uh, he ties the story in with the town itself, the little town of Snowtown, um, and how he went to visit it himself. Um, and it just becomes it highlights the fact that there are places that become notorious and they, as a result, they tourist attractions. And uh, he examines this 
from the perspective of a town that's pretty much dying and uh should they go ahead with it and really let it go full on into becoming a tourist attraction? You know, so it sort of poses a bit of a moral quandary there. So, um, I mean, yeah, some of these people you think, man, I wouldn't even want to be caught snoring near some of these people. They might just go in and off you right there, just whack you in the head. Um I'm just trying to, to flip through some of the stories I like. Um, let's see. Yeah, and some of the authors. Uh, well, C.L. Ravens, who you were talking about early, was about a boy. Yeah, That's yeah, the Welsh, uh, the the young Welsh boy who was a killer in a in a very small little uh, town. Uh, early, I think it was early 20th century, was it? Um, yeah, I mean, that was that's a pretty horrific story. But it also, um, aside from the actual crimes, uh, it was the sort of thing where the, the townspeople refused to believe that he would have done that. And he was, you know, they sort of stood behind him almost in a way blindly. And, you know, just blindly that uh, this, you know, our, our boy, no, he wouldn't have done this, he wouldn't have done that. And then finally, it is revealed that this this boy's a monster. Uh, so it's it just discusses all about the impact of on the town, and then it also bounces off from that and ties him in with a potential uh, serial killer in London many 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 years later when he would have been uh, well into his fifties uh, and sixties. So it's it's interesting how that connection is made, and it's an interesting argument that, well, it's it sounds quite probable, even though the 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 killings in London much much later were never actually solved or the person was never identified. It certainly creates an argument that sounds like it could well have been the same person. Mm-hmm. When uh, let's see, and then right after that, the story. This did. Did you title these stories, or did they? Uh, the authors titled them. Sometimes I may have, uh, you know, suggested something, some tweaks on the title. But, uh, no, the authors themselves uh, were the ones who named the stories. Because the titles are good. Um, the, the one after about a boy is 20 cents worth of arsenic. And when just you yes, read that, that title, twenty cents worth of ours, you go, okay, let's let's get, let's strap in for this ride. Yes, yes, that's by uh, Edward Butts, who's a uh, well-known true crime writer in Canada, and this is a historical piece uh, about a woman who uh, who emigrated from England to to Ontario, and uh, she had been on her third husband in Ontario and uh there she was suspected of of trying to poison her husband with arsenic and uh it's an, it's a fascinating story uh and it does kind of leave you wondering did she really do it or not even though she was convicted for having done so but there's just a lot in the story that uh opened that door to the question about you know was an innocent woman put to death for a crime that perhaps she didn't commit. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's just a, a whole thing about, um, you know, it's this small sort of rural farming community. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, in small communities, people tend to be quite judgmental and jump to conclusions. And we do see that happening in, in a lot of these stories. 
like for instance, the Ecuador story in particular is quite quite over the top with that. How people jump to conclusions through rumors, Chinese whispers, whatever you want to call it. Yes, I've never heard that expression before, the Chinese whispers. But yeah, um. <laughs> I don't even quite know what it means, but it's equated to this about you know that you you know, one person says something to the next to the next to the next, and by the time the the last person gets it, it's totally changed. And that actually is true. I, I remember having an experiment. I think we did it in school where we did that, and it was incredible how how the story changed as it was whispered along. Oh, when we play a telephone game, sort of. I don't know. You, <laughs> I don't. We used to. I think I always heard it called the telephone game, where you would pretend like you were telling the. Uh, you'd tell somebody something, and they'd tell the next person, and they'd whisper to the next person. Okay. Um, don't know how I got that name, but yeah. I, and, I don't know uh, how. We, that's why I th- you threw me with the telephone thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but then back in uh, 2004, when I was going to school. Um, in Madrid, and I remember all of a sudden the girls on on my floor of the dorm office, for some reason, hey, let's play telephone game. Started that. I'm going, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter where you are. We all do the same thing, right? <laughs> we really do. We really do. Even even just knocking somebody off because they get on your nerves. Um, yeah, I like absolutely. The, uh, the title of your your story is "I Kill for God." Yes, yes. That um man, I I worked so hard on that story. Um it's set in the Pacific Northwest and it's about a spree killer. And uh I I got really lucky in this story because uh some uh good friends of mine, uh one of them is a retired uh lieutenant with the police and he happened to be friends with other uh law enforcement officials who worked the case. So I got entree to, you know, the front guys, you know, the people who were right there uh, at the scene. So I got some great interviews from them and uh, also getting the perspective from, you know, the actual working of a case, the kind of things you need to, um, you know, protecting the scene and the evidence. Uh, this this crime happened uh, in like three different locations. It was getting dark. Uh, some of the locations were just pitch black. It was impossible to gather evidence and to, uh, you know, safeguard scenes. So it was just um, quite fascinating. Uh, it, it's the, the gentleman, well, I don't know if I should call him a gentleman. I don't think people would probably refer to him as such, but the the spree killer is, is named Isaac Zamora, and he just went off one day and he just started killing his neighbors and whoever got in his way. And it's a pretty horrific case. Uh, and it's it's not over yet. I mean, even just before I finished the story, there was another court case uh, related to the case. Even though he's locked up, uh, you know, he keeps appealing or he keeps trying to change this, change that. So it's just constantly evolving. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Some of these things just kind of go on and on. And, too, and it's like the situation also with about a boy. Um, you know, there are always situations where, uh, people will deny, well, that person wouldn't do it. That person couldn't possibly. We know them. You know, they go to our church. They couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. kind of thing sort of go on and on and get weirder and uh, and sadly um, uh, more dangerous. 
Um, let me. I'm just going to read a couple of the times coming up. And by the way, if you're listening live tonight and you want to call in and ask Mitzi a question about writing or about true crime in small town, or the new book, the best new true crime story, small towns, the number is six four six seven one six nine nine two two. At six four six seven one six ninety nine twenty two, toll free call in the continental U.S. Or if you can't make a call uh, for any reason, but you have a question, you can always message it to me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudet Perry. Okay, some of the, I'm going to read some of the other titles um, because each title itself, to me, is is a is a very enticing invitation to the story. Uh, the Black Hand and the Glass Eye of Earl Amart, a killing, a killer's perspective. Was that Earl Amart, or what? How do you pronounce? Yeah, it? I think so. I think so. Yeah, Earl Amart's um, a small rural town in uh, Central California. Okay, the Voodoo Preacher, La Bella Elvira, Murder in the Tuscan Hills, Turn the Dentist, and the Dairy Man's Daughter. That almost sounds like one of those bad jokes starting off, but. Uh, <laughs> Apparently not. The doctor, the dentist, and the dairyman's daughter walk into a bar, but no. <laughs> and of course, in the home of a cannibal, which we don't think about cannibals in their homes, but yeah, in the home of a cannibal. But um, yeah, touch on some of those stories if you want. Oh dear. Well, um, hang on. <laughs> I'm just like, glancing back at my the 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 the, uh, the black hand and glass eye was that the one I'm. I can't see too well today. Uh, the early Mart piece is is a really fascinating piece. Uh, Christopher uh, uh, Christian rather Christian Cipollini wrote that one, um, and he actually got um, interviews with the protagonist El Mano Negra, who is a sort of a cartel cleaner, shall we say, uh, cleaner upper, and so he he chronicles this particular case in early March, California, about a, a man who's found dead, found murdered. And then he uh, launches into literally the words straight from the killer's mouth. Uh, he had access, full access to this guy, uh, visiting him in prison, writing tele- writing each other, telephoning each other. So uh, it's it's quite interesting because you're you're really getting, um, you're, you're hearing his voice and his way of speaking. And uh, it's just fascinating uh, having that opportunity to do so. And as, as a funny aside, and it is sort of a funny aside, um, the, the uh, El Mano Negra uh, actually has a copy of this book. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we're waiting for, we're Whoa. sort of waiting for, for, yeah, wait, this is good. We're waiting for COVID to clear up because he's promised to do a selfie with it. <laughs> Now you know you got to admit that's cool. that's quite something. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many you know how many people have that claim to fame, right? <laughs> it's like my book is going to be passed around the federal prison. Everybody reading, I'm like waiting for the fan mail to roll in. Hey. As long as they can't get it out and get it to you, and as long as they're paying for the copy, I say it's all good. Oh, exactly, exactly. They better well pay for the copy. I'll even sign it. Just make sure you paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I have bills to pay. 
<laughs> no pirated books. You buy it. <laughs> no pirated. Mama's got to keep the water on and got to keep the internet on so she can keep on writing and sending out books. I know. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Um, let's see what else I can refer to. Um, in the Home of the Cannibal, um, that's. That's pretty shocking. Uh, That's probably the most shocking story in the whole book. Um, Joe Turner, who's a writer from the UK, um, he visited the home in Germany of a of a man who actually was a cannibal. This this fellow advertised to find someone that he wanted to cannibalize, and believe it or not, there were people out there who wanted to be cannibalized. No, it's strange. I know it's the, the the it's just incredible. There are some websites devoted to this. I mean, a lot of it is role playing and fantasy. But uh, the guy in the story actually found someone, and so um, Joe creates the story where he'll be um, he'll he'll he he like I said he visited this house. It's an abandoned house in this tiny little spot in Germany, and. Uh, the house is just there. He he walked around. He went inside. He went room to room. So in the story, he'll be describing a room, and then he'll discuss what actually transpired in that room, and then he'll be moving through the house to a different room and, again, discusses what transpired in that room. It's it's just like a very twisted tour, if, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's quite amazing. Um it's just amazing that it was actually someone like this. I mean, we hear about, you know, Hannibal Lecter, the fictitious character, but there really was a sort of a Hannibal. It's the only thing in the, in the case of this this particular case, um, it was reciprocal. You know, he didn't prey upon anyone. It was it was all, you know, consensual. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That is just so bizarre. Do you... <laughs> yeah, you've very bizarre. The, you've watched the IT crowd? No, I don't think I've seen that. I don't think I fancied it. That's probably why. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. A show about some IT nerds played by Richard Ayoade and Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it just wasn't something I watched. But what does that have to do with cannibals? (laughs) I'm going to tell you then. Uh, You've seen, you know who Richard, you know who those two actors are. Being a Probably not offhand, but I'm file. sure I know Okay, them. Richard Iowati, he's also the gadget guy and stuff. Well, anyway, yeah. So he's trying to find some uh, different things to do at his time, and so he answers what he thinks is a cooking ad. And he goes to the house of this German guy, and he talks a little bit. It's a little awkward, being friendly, but he realizes the guy's not going to teach him how to cook. He's going to cook him. So yeah. Oh. yeah. But he had advertised well, that was for probably inspired. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly suspect cook. they took that from this, from uh, because this story is from a few years ago. This happened several years ago, so I, I think that must have been inspired by the actual case. Uh, maybe, and and yeah, the, I and, mean, the, yeah, and, and I show, mean, the guy's still just... alive. The guy's yeah. still alive. He's he's locked up. But I mean, there was talk recently about releasing him. Seriously, there was something recently that um, they, you know, letting him out. <laughs> <laughs> would you want him as your neighbor? I don't think I would. 
even though it doesn't mean I'm at risk, it doesn't mean that, you know, he's he's going to come after me, but I think I'd be a bit creeped out knowing what might be going on next door, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> like, oh, God, he's barbecuing. I hope yeah, I'm not invited. Yeah, the other barbecue. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, that guy's always cooking over there. What is look he's always ordering new cookware and you know. And you know, I don't know if it was true or not, but I think I just heard I don't know if it was comedians saying that, you know, in prison Jeffrey Dahmer's last words in the fights were, Oh, bite me or whatever, so <laughs> before he was killed in prison. So, uh, I don't know. You know, there's just some things that are just so far out that you just can't even conceive of them. At least I would hope not. Preacher. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, I actually just uh, did a Facebook Live interview with David Brassfield, who wrote that story. We just did it on Saturday, so that's the latest interview I've got. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a Southern story. That's right up your street, so to speak. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a preacher who, um, well, he had uh, a lot of relatives that he seemed to be killing off uh, for insurance purposes, uh, even though he was never actually convicted for anything or even tried for anything because he was shot by someone. He was shot to death by a family member who had had enough. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, enough of these people, you know, killing everyone in the family kind of thing. One has to wonder if he wouldn't have been killed, if he, how many more, you know, would he gone through the entire bloodline? You know? Well, maybe if he hadn't been but, so tight-fisted, too, but, you know, I bet he wasn't sharing, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's... it's yeah, uh, but the 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 fun the interesting thing about the voodoo preacher, uh, th- there's a tie-in with Harper Lee, who, as we know, you know, of To Kill a Mockingbird fame, the Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, Harper Lee was uh, researching about actually writing a book on this, uh, and uh, David Brassfield, the author of the story, had actually communicated with Harper and has. Uh, written letters confirming their, conf- you know, their communications. And uh, she basically ab- abandoned uh, doing a book on this. I guess she just felt that it was just uh, more, you know, smoke and mirrors. It wasn't, wasn't really a, something that uh, she felt was going to make a whole book. But uh, David's actually from the town, Alexander City, Alabama. So that was his hometown. And he remembers, you know, when he was a kid, you know, this happening and, the, you know, funeral down the street, the, the shooting nearby. So so sort of a first person type of a thing, someone who actually, uh, you know, had some connection to the place. You know, I was just reading how in, in that story, I was glancing back at it about the uh, the voodoo preacher, about how, you know, he kept a little white powder in his pocket. Yeah, yeah, that sold that whole voodoo connection, which is sort of, uh, um, you know, was it really true? Was it really not true? Was it the lawyer who was just embellishing since the lawyer was known to embellish quite a bit? And who also was getting 50% of the takings every time somebody was killed and the insurance money came in. So, yeah. a lot, a lot, sort You're of a lot of things going on. You saying the lawyer embellished the stories? Well, it it a lawyer seems as if embellishing there was, stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there was there was just, the whole voodoo connection was was kind of embellished, and the Harper Lee basically concluded that it was 
you know, hogwash. <laughs> okay. You got to So let's let's uh just trying to recap so far what we got is that uh one of the uh uh murderers mentioned in the story in your book is in prison and has a copy of this book and then also um you know then we got a Harper Lee connection to another story. This ought to be a bestseller. <laughs> Yes, it should be, and everyone listening should make it one. <laughs> You're not going to find a book like that, and that's just that's just a couple of things, folks, that we're just talking about now. Get you should get this: the best new true crime story, Small Town, um, with the story by author and anthologist editor Mitzi Zaretto, and. Uh, it's what was from Mango Publishing, and you can look it up, whether it's Amazon or whatever your favorite bookseller is, and get a copy. <laughs> get one for yourself. Yes. Get one for a friend. Get one for your friends in prison. Just just buy books. Buy the books. <laughs> <laughs> Because if these are just the story, these are just things that you, that we have talked about. Can you imagine what else is packed in this book? And let me say some of the. Um, <laughs> best new the best new true crime stories. Um, I got to tell. I'd like to read a couple of, if you don't mind, uh, a couple of the things from critics. Uh, sure. In the book review, yeah, this is from Dean Job from Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine. He says these well-researched, globe-trotting, bite-sized tales are perfect for a lazy summer afternoon especially at a time when it's much safer to travel through the pages of a book. That's good. Uh, Max Jakubowski uh, said, Mitzi has a diamond eye for a good story and assembles her anthologies like carefully crafted pieces of engineering, regardless of genre, an editor with the Midas touch. Well done. <laughs> I try. That's that's nice. That's nice. And uh, yeah, so true. <laughs> no, and so, so I'm, true. I've been really pleased with it. Yeah, I've been pleased with the critical reviews so far. And um, there's also, and you know, the thing is too, it's like like we said, uh, um, the book, or like you introduced it with some things that you um, that I had read. It said. You're right. We think of the small town life as idyllic and it's quiet and it's sleepy and people leave their doors unlocked or whatever. Um, And that can't happen here, that sort of thing. But, you know, I remember as as a child visiting a a, a cousin in the country and, you know, we were in her room listening to music and she said, when I grow up, I do not want to live in a small town. I want to get the hell out of here as fast as I can because in a small town, because she says, you're lucky you live in Atlanta, but out here in a small town, everybody knows everything you do and talks about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's true. And I mean, in small towns are really good at, at covering up the dirt. You know, I mean, I, I've pretty much grown up in, in uh, cities and large, you know, larger areas and spent most of my life in these kind of environments. But uh, for a, for a few months, I was living in upstate New York um, and we were, it was actually not far from Woodstock, the famous Woodstock. And I'm not going to mention the town, but uh, 
as a child, and I'm talking, I think it was, was it fourth grade or fifth grade? So I had to go to school there for about three months. And I'll tell you, it was, it was one of the worst experiences of my life uh, really? as far as the small town mentality, the click mentality, and the undercurrent of, of what they do to outsiders. I mean, I had my life threatened. We're talking, we're talking uh, fourth, fourth, no, fifth grade. I had my life threatened because I wasn't local. I was from somewhere else. So, yeah, small towns, uh, there's a lot of things going on in small towns that are not so uh, uh, wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Well, Bitsy, I just think this is such a great book, and I'm so excited for you and so excited for all the authors that are in this book, and you've already got something else coming for us soon. Yes, I'm really excited about it, and it's listed for pre-order, too. So I'll just mention the name, and people can go and hurry up and do the pre-order. Click on that. (laughs) Uh, It's it's the best. Yeah, 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 I'm spilling. The best new true crime stories, well-mannered crooks, rogues, and criminals. Ooh. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Next year. And remember too, you can always go to the website and check out all the different uh, all the titles there that Mitzi has for your entertainment. You, you're just you're just an entertainment center in yourself. Um, oh yeah, I'm I'm like a cyclone. This <laughs> is <laughs> between those two crime books, uh, ladies. I'm just going to read a few titles off of. of uh, just off the list of books on your website, uh, Best New Tri- True Crime Story Serial Killers, Ladies of Gothic Horror, uh, Florida Gothic. Oh, God, I've got to get that. Uh, Oysters you need and to. Pearls yeah. Collected Stories. Huh? Do I have You it? need to. I know. you got to get it. <laughs> I mean, look, look, people, Florida Gothic. I know, I know. But it's like what somebody said um, but people in Florida, they're not worried about murder hornets. They said our blood is half meth and half uh, Mountain Dew. We're not worried about murder hornets. Uh, let's see, what else? <laughs> uh, oh, the Teddy's, uh, the Theolonious Tea Bear Chronicles, Rotten Peaches and Normal for Norfolk. Uh, let's see, Wild Passions. See, I first came to know you years ago as not only uh, from your TV show, but also from uh, all of your erotica, erotic fairy tales, Love, Lust, and Zombies. Uh, red Velvet and Absinthe, Paranormal Erotic Romance. See, anything you – that's what I'm saying. You're just an entertainment center right there in yourself <laughs> So between you and Teddy and all the cool people that you know. So I'm just going to say again one more time, the best new true crime story, Small Towns, and I'll be posting everywhere where you can get this book. Misty, what do you want to say to people before we check out here? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Haven't I said everything by now? Well, I suppose I mean, under the circumstances, I'd say uh, to be safe and sensible. And, and uh, maybe if everyone would pro- follow protocols, we might live till 2021 and for my new book release next year. I think that's the best, the best closing comment ever. And again, uh, uh, I know I love you.